What is the shape of the story so far, Rapscallions? Eleanor Lovage came to me and told me that her brother Jeremy was a killer who was executed for a series of murders that he didn't commit. So he wasn't really a killer. He was just a dock worker from Flotsam. He was accused of being the lantern ghost who was active for six months until, he, of course, he was caught on the Lower East Side of the Styles. The Lantern Ghost did all this murdering and killing and mutilation of corpses. And we went searching for Constable Utah to find out just exactly what the story was behind this. And what did you find when you got to Constable Utah's Delilah? Uh, we found that Constable Utah, while she attempted to maintain reasonable moral standing, uh, is not immune to the vagaries of Bailey Mina uh, corruption and she was well aware that the person who was arrested and killed was not the lantern ghost but her hands were tied as far as what she could tell us so she sent us along to someone who could cure the red face and answer some questions and where was that Shakir? hint hint Landsgrave folly <laughs> that wasn't a hint <laughs> works though uh, yes, they sent us to a doctor in Landsgrave Folly, who, uh, after some trepidation in wanting to speak to us, when realizing that it was the Arabet and the Delilah who were coming to help, uh, pointed us in a couple of directions. Uh, one to a warehouse, and the other to um, the asylum. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Calder, what did you find at the asylum? Uh, there, uh, we discovered that uh, healthcare in Bailey Mina leaves a lot to be desired. Um, there's a broad spectrum of what people consider to be good whiskey. Uh, we also discovered uh, the raving lunatic uh, scribblings of a madman. Uh, that seems to indicate that uh, there is some sort of evil fish monster um, that uh, is potentially trying to vie for power uh, or at least uh, eat its fill of the good people of Bailey Mina. Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master, and so it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains coarse language and things that might offend sensitive listeners, and so listener discretion is strongly advised. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing, then dig, if you will, the mysteries, magic and mayhem, which follow a felonious fellowship's forays from salons and saloons into parlors of power and places unknown in, around, above, and beneath Byzantine Bailey Mina. Having returned from an autumn spent lost in the dream, will our fiends survive the winter in the city of steel and steam? We could tell you all about it, but we'd rather show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallions. So get ready, Runatics. And let's roll. Let us get together right now, yeah. Let us get together. Get together. Call it. Arabic. 
Yes. The trip out of the asylum isn't any more pleasant than the trip going in. There are things that you've seen in there that you can't unsee. Parabet. Um. Yeah, that's just that is not. Uh, there's you thought that you've seen some bad parts of town, and you've come around here before, but you've never actually spent time in this part of Bailey Mina. You know where it is. You know roughly how to get around it. You can probably intuit your path through. Most of the time, it's just easier to go over it. And uh, you had no idea that this place, Hope Near, existed. It took you back going in, both of you, remember? Like, it uh, it shook you pretty good. So as you make your way out the front gates, and Dr. Trantor herself closes the gates and locks them behind you, it is the close of business, after all. On the way out, uh, I'd love to give her a card and uh, offer assistance. Uh, uh, some need here, but I also see opportunity. Like if I needed to hide someone for a while. And as Dr. Trantor walks away from the gate, she pockets the card you gave her on the way out. Calder, the floor is yours. Well now, Arabat, where to now? Somebody's hiding something. And I don't mean that as cryptically as it sounds. But my thoughts are that that warehouse, it seems central. Agreed. What sort of approach do you propose? Everything happens at night. It'll be dark soon. The near to wells will come out. Those with pure intentions will stay in. Let's see what happens. Arabet, do you think the chance there might be a impending shift change? There might be. Well then. Gong. Is this, uh, does this remind us of uh, tea time yesterday? Is it like that, that kind of thing? Well, it's about it's been about six hours since tea. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Bong. Bong. You head to the boardwalk off the main street uh, and find a section of wall that has no doors in it for the fourth chiming of the clock. Delilah and Shakir, where you are across town, the fourth bell chimes and all the doors on all the manufactories open up and the crowd just sweeps on by. The two of you are taking yourselves off the street, obviously, while Shakir, you've managed to scrub the last bit of this viscous shit off of your sword. The crowd dies down. A moment later, Arabet and Calder walk up the street. Like they don't see you. They're walking along. They passed right by Dorish's, probably at the end of that rush. Sorry, are we are we at the warehouse yet or are we still en route? Uh you apparently have yeah, you're en route still. That's what I thought. Um <clears throat> Arabet, um when we arrive, 
how much time do you think we'll have for some, let's say, reconnaissance? An entire shift if we wanted. Excellent. I've been working on some new curiosities. I think perhaps this would be a ideal opportunity to test them out um, in the field, shall we say. Excellent. What do you have? Well, I believe if things go smoothly, I should be able to get us a very discreet peek, perhaps even a small listen on the inside, without necessarily entering. Delilah, they walk right by you bantering just like this. <coughs> Calder starts and turns. Not not with his dukes up, but he's uh, he's en route to said dukes. Ah! <clears throat> Delilah, I, I didn't see you there. Clearly. Let's take that a little bit of place here where we can have a quiet conversation. Excellent. We had a uh, most intriguing conversation with the good doctor. Uh, how fair you and Shakir. I don't want to worry you, but I believe there may be monsters afoot. You don't say. We narrowly avoided being sold adult novelties, and then were attacked by what seemed to be an ambulatory octopus missing some arms. Say that again. Which part? Adult toys? Where? No, you can safely skip over that part. Actually, I think I saw the thing we fought in the store. I think that was just a replica. You know what, Shakir? Oh God, what? <laughs> Come to think of it, there was somebody who left the shop just after you and Delilah walked in there. You noticed they were big and wearing a hat, but didn't cause any trouble, so why give it any thought? Tell me more about this, um, tentacled thing that you found. Well, we're walking along, as you do, and all of a sudden there's all this space around us. And what appeared to be a pile of grain sacks and a trench coat kind of squidged over and started yelling. Well, yelling is not the right word. Started trying to explain to us why it had no quarrel with us. And I don't think it knows what that means. Oh. Did it, uh, in fact, have coral with you? Yes. You see, it wanted to go on killing people in Mina. I'm fairly certain it's involved with that. And when I explained that this did, in fact, mean there was a coral, it threw off its trench coat and squidged at us. Did you dispatch it? We drove it off. It uh, went down the drain. I'm sorry, did you say down the drain? Were you fighting in the bathtub? Now, that storm drain over there. Delilah points. Oh my. That's quite curious. What did you say this thing looked like?
several hundred yards away a storm sewer outlet into one of the muddier pits that used to be a bay disgorges a bruised purple humanoid figure about seven and a half feet from end to end but with where its human legs would be four tentacles splaying out across the mud it holds itself up gasps with its flapping gills eyes casting frantically around it it's badly badly burned and it clutches the ruins of an injured hand to its chest cast its gaze one way and then another and then like moves its way across the mud towards something resembling liquid frantically looking for a way to submerge itself Did it have fish feet? No, it didn't have any feet at all. It had a four tentacle things that it propelled itself on. And, okay, you said it didn't yell at you, but it communicated with you. Yes. It spoke your language. I'm not entirely sure it actually spoke. What do you mean? Yes, explain. Well, we knew what it intended, but I'm not sure that it was a a talking thing so much as just making itself known. Change of plan, Shakir, Delilah, and Calder. You know what I'm thinking? Hardly ever. We need a drink. There's no such thing as a non-shady pub in this area of town, it seems. But, I mean, there's shady, and then there's, like, never been reputable. And this place, there's nothing nice about it. It's just plank tables and benches with, like, you know, various humanoid skulls stoppered up with uh, handles bolted on. But it wasn't busy. The beer is cheap, at least. Uh, It doesn't appear edible. There are four of them sitting in assorted skull mugs on the table between the four of you, which is as cornerish as you can make it. Arabet and Delilah sit on one side, while Shakir is sitting closest to the open room with Calder comfortably ensconced. Uh, Delilah, you have access to the floor. Shakir, you can stand up. Arabet, you can stand up and face the whole room. And uh, Calder, that's enough cover for you to get up and turn around. Fair enough. Because it takes you the most. Let's face it, the coat, yes, it compacts you some, but it doesn't make you any nimbler. Yep, fair, fair enough. So the reason I call this meeting is I have a concern. What you're saying is this creature didn't speak, right? I mean, it was all real fast, but no, I don't think it did. All right. We have a a crazy guy who drew drawings on a wall that he should know nothing about. To be slightly more specific, he drew things on a wall no one has any business knowing about. Yeah. And what I'm trying to get at is here, 
where did he get that knowledge? Because he certainly didn't go to school and learn it someplace. And he didn't learn it working the docks. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I believe you're suggesting that our uh, <clears throat> slippery friend, uh, or one of his compatriots, if there's more than one, had some kind of uh, communication with the gentleman that was uh, ensconced in the, the uh, sanatorium. Well, yes, or one of the creatures like him. I don't know that he, he's the only kind of creature that can do this. You know what I'm saying? And when the creature that we saw on the wall was a tentacled mess, but it was huge in comparison. My point is, I think we stumbled into a problem here. I think maybe this guy actually did do the killing. But maybe he didn't want to. I see, I see. But if he did the killing, then how did he continue after he'd been been killed for it? That's because, you see, he didn't want to. And neither did the person before him, or the person before him, or the person before him, or the person after him. There's no way that he killed the Slovich guy. He didn't kill eight or ten people, I don't think. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think he's the criminal mastermind that's, you know, driven to craziness to go out and murder. I think and this is a one-up sort of situation where person in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong impulse. Well, we did find out a little bit more, too. What did you find out? See, Dorit has a little problem going on where he smells dank and mildewy all the time. You know, like there's too much water. Well, we got about five and a half hours to shift change. Can I roll Arcana on uh, Psionics, I guess? Not that that's what Calder would call it, but... Yep. Total of an 18. Okay, you know about Quarai. And the, well, the Quarans themselves and the Quarai, and how they develop strange powers which let them see into the minds of others, know their soul. They can speak without speaking. So it's not magic exactly. It certainly isn't a widespread dragon thing. Um, any Anything come to mind on how to defend against this? That would probably take a trip to the archive. Oh, very interesting. You know, this does remind me of uh, some ancient texts I've read. I'm not entirely sure if we're going to be up to the task of uh, taking them on. However, I'm quite encouraged by uh, what Delilah and Shakira have achieved. Under ideal circumstances, I would, of course, prefer to prepare with some research, perhaps at the archives, but... Erebet, tell me, do you, do you think we have that much time? Only if we want another death on our hands. Then I think we must away to the warehouse and uh, first check for sewers nearby. All right. Shakira, are you okay? Yes, this is just mm, a little outside the norm for me. <laughs> Not normal for us either, I don't think. Well, more normal than growing wings. True that. That's very true. 
you're quite right, Calder. Especially since it's happening to other people and not me. That does always seem to make it quite a bit simpler for you, Arabats. I propose that we hole up in a bedroom here and uh, see what the night brings. You don't think we should go to the warehouse now, then? I don't think we'll get in right now because the shift change is over. So I think we wait to the next shift change and get in there. Unless, of course, you propose sneaking in through the sewers. Calder looks at Arabet and then at Delilah, and then back at Arabet, and I said, and uh, then he says, uh, I don't think we have to wait for anything if we want to go inside that building. Delilah smiles a little. Yeah, I've got some stuff that can help with that, too. Okay, we won't do it the easy way, then. When have we ever done a damn thing the easy way, anyway? Arabit stirs his finger in the beer, takes a lick of it off his finger. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to drink this. Well, I can cure that, too. It's not bad once you get past the greasiness, Arabet. It's kind of nutty. Uh, to be clear, Calder has uh, not actually ingested anything from this establishment. Well, then, a brief cut to the crap muddy water all doused in alchemical resins where the mollusk man is dragging himself across the sand and weakening with every stride. Finally, he gets his hand into some flowing water and the, the, the feeling of it, although it is terribly polluted from Ashcroft and further upstream, the flowing motion revives him somewhat. He gathers the last push of his strength, puts his tentacles beneath him, and hauls his bulk into the water, lets the current carry him away, which it does. With growing depth and greater dilution, he can breathe more easily. He holds his wounded hand to him as he finds his tentacles once again and pushes himself with a few feeble strokes towards the deep. Eventually, the air has left his lungs and he can just let himself sink deeper and deeper. And as he goes and the pressure gets more comfortable, the bruises fade from his skin, which resume its normal silvery paleness. And as he falls and falls, eventually the darkness overcomes him. We cut back to the surface. Well then, I think we should take a short stroll around the warehouse. I'm very interested as to how many sewer grates or other openings to the lower parts of the city there are. Let's inspect the grates around the area. For Delilah, it's pretty evident this shipping establishment is staffed by people of some description. And where there's people in Bailey Mina, there's always someone that can't go a whole shift without a smoke. So there has to be somewhere for them to go. Very wise. I don't want to get wet. No, you don't, because that mud isn't made of dirt and water like wholesome mud would be. It's more of a muck than a mud. All right, so it's a land-based approach. I like your idea of human engineering this one. Delilah, you should lead. You're the better con woman. Might we just take a short walk around the, uh, the building first? Yeah, that'd be helpful. All right, so uh, 
The building itself, as mentioned before, is a three-story stone affair, roofed in slates, dotted with iron-barred windows. It's uh, the walls and the roof are all covered with this bituminous black gruely shit it's this accumulated pollution of uh years everything falling on it from above you know all this shit that rains down from various smogs that come down from the ashcroft factory district the place is well made because it's still standing and you can't see through the bricks i guess but it's not clean and uh out front in blinking thamoneon, Dorish and Associates, Shipping, Receiving, and Warehousing, Incorporated. All right, let's go clockwise. So anyway, then she shit all over him, and uh, this orc looks over at you as you walk around the corner to where he's telling a lurid story to his ogrish compatriot. Excuse me, is this... Can we help you? In Goblin, I say. Nah, we're just John, and we're just looking for a smoke. Well, wish I could help you. And with that, he takes a big drag off his cigarette, turns back to the ogre, exhales it, and, uh, continues on with this completely unrealistic lurid and uh, insipid tale. I scan for a door there. Yep. Propped right open. Alright. Move on away. Alright. So from that door, it's about 30 feet further down the building. The building is 120 feet on the narrow side and probably 500 feet in fronting. As you go around to the back of the, it's, you, you can't clear the back of the place because from about the mid side of that building, there's a fence. Roger that. This fence, pretty amateur night, but lying in the weeds, all neglected, a sign that says, beware of viper hound. Uh, is this something I heard of before? Well, yes, they're mostly from the swamps. Viper hounds are probably the meanest thing ever created by nature. They're the reptilian answer to wolverines. Check. Like fuck a Komodo dragon. They can, they can fuck right off. They're a bunch of gentle bends viper hounds just do not like you they fucking hate the fact that you have warm blood at all and to just just exalt in attacking mammalian creatures it's a noted fact about them that's why they've been illegal in bailey mina for years like you can't domesticate them you can cow them into working for you but like nine out of ten Viperhound handlers are eventually found dead at the at the tusks of their charges. Got it. Now, uh, does that mean this is potentially an old sign that the hold or uh, that the what is legal in Bailey Mina was legal in the Steins, or just two very different things? 
Well, it's probably an old sign. And uh, this is still Bailey Mina, although they don't really give a fuck about that, it seems here. Okay. Like Bailey Mina is the thing that happens around the Styles, right? The Styles used to be part of Bailey Mina, and then Bailey Mina seems to have forgotten about them. They can't forget about Bailey Mina. They don't really care what Bailey Mina thinks, because Bailey Mina doesn't think about them. Okay, got it. Well, you're not going to like what I suggest next. Do I have a? No. But uh, at this point, I don't want to go and face any Viperhound remnants that might be still around. Agreed. And so do you propose? I propose we uh, make like a sex party and convince those ogres and orcs that we're not doing anything untoward back here. Yes. And then what? And they'll go away. And then we'll go back. When you go back, you see that the ogre is closing a lock on the door. And he and the orc wander off, chatting to each other, while the orc continues to tell bullshit fox stories. And uh, does the uh, does the area seem clearer as, as they call off with their tawdry tails? There's nobody else around. Excellent. Enterprise, come with me. And I uh, walk up to the door. While I walk up, I'm fishing out my monocle. Sure, you want to go in there? Oh, we're not going in yet. And uh, I'll go up to the door, take a quick look to make sure that things are relatively clear. And then uh, <coughs> I uh, hold up the monocle to my eye. Now, Arabat, you've seen this monocle several times, and you're starting to notice that every time I pull it out, there seems to be more knobs and and dials and little uh, <coughs> other accoutrement on it. And uh, this time I, uh, I spin a little dial uh, at the top and then I, I extend what, uh, I guess we would call it antenna. I, I don't know what Arabet would call it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I peer intently uh, through the lens and uh, I cast clairvoyance. Let me see on the other side of that door. It's a locker. It's like a 15 by 20 storage locker. It is a, it, right now it's full of uh, sailing gear, like tack and harness to outfit a, well, probably about a 40 foot ship. A keel boat of some description. Anything else uh, in there at all? Or does it just look like pure storage? This appears to be just storage. But beyond that, because you can look around a bit. I won't let you waste a spell for that. So, like, I mean, looking into this, you it's clairvoyance. Why not look deeper? You push through another wall and then another and find that this place is largely full of storage lockers just like this one. There doesn't appear to be anybody else in the building either. Not at least as far as you can see as you scan it with your monocle. So effectively, uh, this warehouse is a storage unit with lots of small units in it. Yep. Looks to be about three floors. Look down. P- pardon me? Look down. Oh, um, y- yes, quite so. And I'll look down. Good thinking. Now, looking down, 
There is the dirt and detritus that has accumulated to become the soil which covers the timbers of the artificial island upon which most of this neighborhood sits. Interestingly enough, Dorish and Company's warehouse, being made of stone, would sit heavily upon such a construction. I mean, how much stone can you stack on wood over moisture? Reasonably, right? Nope, Dorish's goes right down through the wood to one small stone island, which it almost entirely occupies, that uh, is probably... It's got a coastline of about six inches from the muck below. But the whole place, it's a stone warehouse built on a stone island in Bailey-Mina. Well, um, that's very interesting. In fact, it's so interesting, I'll say, Arabet, come take a look. I take a look. i got to humor this guy. You can see right through shit with this monocle, Arabet. Really? Yep. Like right through your hand. You can see the bones when you move him. Cool. I take a look at Delilah and see if I can see her heart. Um, no, but you can see her bones. There's a particular set of her bones that you can see as the monocle is driven back into your eye and your head snaps back. Because the second Calder says, Calder says, here, look, and he, he appears to be looking through things with his monocle. Arabet then looks at his hand and moves his hand like, you know, he's 16 years old and having fun with a toy. And then he turns it on you. So, of course, the bones you show him are your knuckles. Knock that shit off. Just looking for your wings. I like how Arabet immediately went for back of the comic X-ray specs. Well, if you're going to be silly, hand it back. And Arabet takes the thing out of his eye. Calder takes it and pops it back into his uh, waistcoat. So then I'll describe what we saw. So, you know, a large warehouse, three stories, uh, subdivided into many sub, uh, into, into individual storage lockers. And uh, it appears, as far as I can tell, to be empty or unattended. Uh, but curiously, it's uh, the footing of this building is... Uh, a very large, well, stone island. Uh, it would uh, certainly explains why someone would be so confident to build it so close to that mud pit, uh, assuming the mud pit was uh, here before the building. Delilah? Yes? You perceptive sort. Let me know how that roll turns out. 28? When Calder muses as to whether the mud or the building was there first, Bailey Mina lets you know with no uncertain terms that that's you know that shit is not really supposed to be there. Delilah shivers a little bit and says, "Well, it certainly wasn't mud. It used to be water there, though." Curious, but I think a matter for another time. We should uh, we should get moving. Very well. Shall we enter? And what? Check out the lockers? Lockers? No, we need to check the offices. I'll be I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure what we're looking for, but this warehouse does seem of peculiar interest in these matters, and I think it behoove us to at least 
take a look. Sure, Len. There is a <laughs> as of a giant venting from behind the warehouse. Sorry, where are we in relation to behind the warehouse? Can you just remind me? Sorry. You're standing on the one side, you were at the front, and you started a clockwise a clockwise yep. you know, to the building. You got one turn, so right now you are on the right hand side of that rectangle. About halfway down, blocked off by a fence standing next to the storage locker that is open to the street with a giant with a great big padlock on it. Right are there, there. Are there many lockers with exterior access? There's another one behind the fence. The fence where the sign that said beware of Viperhound sitting. There's a side door which hangs underneath one of those ever-glowing bulbs. It's just like a like a globe of glass that hangs in a wire frame that gets mounted over a door. It's got like one of those old continuous light spells. The what you know, the ones that they used to cast on things before they found that they were like actually really bad atomically and uh, made people sick. Well, they still exist and they're still glowing because they're ever glowing bulbs. And one of them is hanging over the door or this side door. As before, there is a fence blocking off a large fenced in yard off the side of Dorish's warehouse. Uh, what you can see is that there are shipping containers and uh, a few dry dock small vessels. Um, what looks to be like uh, Hoydenraim ice fishing hut and some sort of machinery under a tarp. Do you want to do the honors or do I? You're the one that picked a lock into another dimension. Doesn't mean I can pick a lock on a door. Yeah, it does. I see new work. Okay, okay, okay. I will examine the door. It's a good lock. Definitely third-year apprentice stuff. Shouldn't take you more than a minute to undo with a broken pen and one arm tied behind your back. You're fucking Aramid. You can charm this thing and no problem at all. So it's almost open before you touch it, but indeed, um, when you get it open, how about you roll sleight of hand with thieves' tools? Oh, that's a 31. Okay, so this the, the lock just opens up, no problem at all. Um, like it's a third-year apprentice lock, and you are Arabeth, right? So the lock's open. Now, I uh, don't open the door yet. That's probably good, Delilah. What's your passive perception? My passive perception is 20. That door is trapped like crazy. That cheese ball lock is a uh, lure. Now, 
To his credit, Bet opens it and then steps back. She squints at it as Bet is stepping back towards her and says, All right, what we got here, there's a needle in the knob. There's a pressure plate against the jam, and that'll probably release something. And I think the hinges, too. Yeah, they trap the hinges, the dirty bastards. And that's tricky to get at, because it's inside the hinge. Herbert smiles. You know, I don't think we should enter through the door. Calder? Yes. Shouldn't be a problem if you froze the hinge. Clearly, the best way to undo a mechanism that's kept sealed like that is to keep a seal on both pieces, right? How to do that but a thin a thin seal of frost. Easily done. You've got, uh, well, you've got a guster in your bag, don't you? No problem at all. Herbat, <clears throat> if, uh, if I may... Oh, yes, you may. Uh, I will take out a uh, small <clears throat> uh, other pouch, which uh, seems to have something inside it, uh, but doesn't quite move like an animal or anything like that. Then uh, I uh, very carefully and very precisely let out a, uh, the drawstring very slightly, a very small opening. Everyone nearby can actually feel the chill of uh, the near gale force wind that comes out as I uh, quickly apply it to each of the hinges, and then I step aside. The mechanical traps on this door jam are quickly defeated by Calder's expert ministrations. Delilah, you might have... Well, you, it wouldn't have been as elegant or as quick, but you certainly would have got it done. You, you also wouldn't have looked as smug as I do. That's because Smug is not in her playbook. Being fair though, Calder, you seem to be covering it. Nobody at least seems to be mentioning that you didn't see any of that shit before she pointed it out. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, nobody said anything about it because it was, I mean, you were very smooth getting in there. Delilah, we don't bullshit bullshitters around here. And uh, as far as charisma wars go, well, you're the bard, so Calder does an excellent job of coming in and, and cleaning things out, but uh, yeah. You know, wouldn't be the first time a dude took credit, but. Oof. She just shakes her head. All right, that should, that should take care of that. So the door is quickly defeated and uh, swings open into a stairwell. There's a door that goes further into the building, and as you'd expect, a staircase on the right that goes up a couple of flights to the next floor. Calder, would you like to find if there's someone alive on this side of the building? Of course. You know, I got something for this. What do you have for this, Delilah? 
why I have detect thoughts, which can be used to detect the presence of thinking creatures I can't see. So as you take a deep breath and uh, draw in the fetid air of the styles, the accurate smell of that chemical muck out in the lagoon burns the inside of your nose so that you can feel it in your ears. It's not doing any damage, it's just the sensation of it. Um, if you've ever smelt Absorbine Jr. in your life, you'll know the smell I'm talking about. If not, it's chemical and camphor. And as you let it out, you can hear the pulse in your veins, which pulses outward, the sound anyway. And where it intersects another living being, you can hear that pulse. And if you focus on that pulse for a second, you can hear what they're thinking. So first is Arabet, who is studiously um, trying not to think out loud. Calder, whose mind is surprisingly Baroque and ornate and very well organized. You know, it's like one of those oddly satisfying things where there's just arrays and rows and rows of things filed away. He knows where everything that he owns is. Did you know that? Huh. Shakir is like a stone in the middle of a river. The river flows around him. It does not move him. It engulfs him. It does not move him. It goes its way, he stays where he is. It rises, he remains. It ebbs, and he is triumphant. This is the shape and feel of his mind. His thoughts are very fluid and incisive. You don't press past this, it's rude. But into the building, there is, for the first while, no feel of ordered sentience. And then there is the cold chill of a predator drive. Two, no, three. And a general discomfort from something else, which isn't thinking in thoughts so much as images. Then there is a pause in those images and the sense that you've caught something's attention. She pulls back her awareness immediately and her eyes snap open. There's predators in here, three of them and something else that I don't really understand, but I think it knows at least that I'm here. Well, that Dorish was sounding like something else, so maybe it's him. Maybe so. I guess it depends on how far gone he is. Well, which way shall we go? And Arabit pulls out some boulders. Did I get a good read on direction? There's, the three of them are in various places. 
The fourth one seems to be monitoring the other three. But they're all ahead of you at various elevations and places in the warehouse. That last one, the one that thought in, well, not in thoughts, is the highest. It's on the third floor. The most dangerous one's on the third floor. I think if we can keep away from the watchdogs or whatever they are, we may be able to get up to it. I was never the best at divination, but I have a terrible feeling that that's where all of our answers are. Arabit checks the stairs and gets a 15. Delilah, you want to take a look? Sure. And, and she does so. So you sneak up to the first landing, check the stairs going up. There's nothing up there yet. You go up to the next landing, and that's where the door to the next floor is. Delilah's in front. Who's after Delilah? Arabit. And then? Calder. And then obviously Shakir in the rear. Shakir. Mm-hmm. The outside door swings closed with a click. It is then that you hear a second click as the door from the first floor opens. A moment later. A human goes to the door, presses a couple of buttons beside it, opens the door and steps out onto those steps, uh, lights a cigarette, and uh, takes a long drag. I need a stealth check from all of you. It's going to be in descending order of difficulty. So Delilah. 23. No problem. And then Arabet. 19. No problem. Calder. 10, unless I should be lucky. You probably should be lucky. 17. Better. Shakir? 16. You lucky son of a bitch. As this... As the clerk goes and opens the door to have her smoke, Shakir's... Like, she turns to look up the stairs just as Shakir tucks himself away around the corner. Seeing nothing, she opens the door and goes out for her cigarette. The door slides closed behind her to be held open by the purse that she's left at the foot of the jam. Delilah, you are at the first floor door. There is somebody at the, there's somebody walks out of the, sorry, you're at the second floor door. Somebody walks out from the first floor and uh, heads out that side door you just came into to have a cigarette. Are you creeping up further to the top or what are you doing? Yes, Delilah will continue heading upward. And in case I need a stealth check from all of you. I know that won't be such a big deal for the two in the lead, but the others... Got a 24 on this one. Good job. 23 for me. I rolled a 16, so that's a 17. Good enough. Yeah, I rolled a 13 on that one. Kira, you cut the corner on the stairs a little quick and your scabbard rings off the handrail. The woman from below goes, It's just me having a smoke. Don't get any fucking ideas. That just lets it go. 
Let's keep going. Okay, second floor. The door is sitting closed. One of the presences that you felt earlier is definitely close to this door right now, Delilah. You can smell it. She slows down a bit and motions towards the uh, toward the door as though to indica- indicate something's on the other side of it and continues heading upward. Arabet, notably the outside wall of this stairwell is made of glass bricks. You would never have known it from the outside. It's just as covered with that bituminous, gruelly shit as everything else. Glass bricks? Yeah, it's glass block. Whoa. I checked the area. Obviously, it was designed to let light in at one point, but it's been just all covered with that gloopy bullshit. Makes you wonder what this place was like when it was built, right? And how yeah. old and how old this building is. Like, how long has it been down here? Who's been looking after it? Clearly, nobody from up top gives a fuck. This thing is literally covered in polluted bullshit. That's crazy, man. But you press on. Avoiding the second floor door, you make your way up to the third story. This is the tippity top floor. Delilah takes a deep breath and squares her shoulders before uh, stepping out of the way to let Arabette work the lock. Though she doesn't do that until she has checked it. Well, it's an interior door, so it's not, and it's off the stairwell, so it's not locked. There is no window in it either. Um, it's a push bar sort of thing on either side. Well, then she will lean into it and push the bar ever so slowly. And the door, which swings both ways, opens into the room quietly. Now, this room is dark. There is probably 20 feet ahead of you and to the right, a door to the outside of the building. 15 feet on a left-hand diagonal is a large open area in the floor. The floor has a hole in it? Yeah, it's, this area appears to be like, like a big balcony all the way around. That's all it is. It's like a loft. When you look up into the ceiling, you can see that there are mechanical cranes of various descriptions and chain falls and all that sort of thing. But there's a smell when you open the door. Is there one of the predatory presences on this level? No, just the one that thought, not in thoughts. Okay. Then she will actually choose to take the long way toward that one. Arabit follows like a ghost with a stealth check of 18. This in your head, Delilah, for the second time today. I'm not fucking kidding who I am. She pointedly ignores it. Boys. Roll initiative. Runelanders is recorded live and curated, produced, and edited by me with indispensable help from Cassie Goodwin-Harrison, Matthew Harrison, Chris Stockavaz, 
Greg Sednick, and Carrie Copley. All the usual people played all the usual parts, and if you want to know more about them, you can find out all about them, all about the little Easter eggs that I scattered through these episodes, and so much more at runelanders.com. Watch for our vastly improved website coming up soon. That'll about do it for this episode. Next time on Moonlanders, we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We'll see you then. I'm DM Matt Adam. I'm DM Good Guy. Reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next. Take good care. Thank <laughs> you.